Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. When I think of an influential communicator, I think of my man, Jason Fear now. Now, Jason is a relentless connector, a purpose-driven entrepreneur, and a powerhouse in the mining industry who's helped leaders negotiate over $50 billion worth of contracts. No, that is not a typo that I'm reading. Real talk, $50 billion worth of contracts. But more importantly, okay, he's a committed husband, a father of five, and in his words, a closet softy who's obsessed with his mission of being somebody of service. And today I pinned him down, people, to hit us with some golden nuggets on his three ways to negotiate your next seven-figure deal. Dude, welcome to the show. What's going on, brother? Great to be here, man. Are we going to make fun of each other like we do every week, or are we going to be real? Making fun of each other is still real, isn't it? <laughs> not in the way that I we think, do. I don't know. <laughs> this show has an explicit tag, so we're good, you know? Oh, good. Thank God. So yeah, we can roll how we always roll then, brother. So Jason and I have known each other probably for, what, about a year now? And instantly, the first thing I noticed about Jason was, wow, he's a master in the negotiation space. But truly, like I said earlier, he is a relentless connector who he just always says, he says, man, I'm in it for just having meaningful conversations with people. And I suppose, man, that's that's why you're so good at what you do. But let's take it back for a sec, okay? Let's take it back to your early days. Sure. Who was the first person that you looked up to when it came to effective communication and negotiation? My father, I'd have to say my dad. My dad was a sales guy and I I watched the way that he interacted with other people and the way people responded to him and I was like, "Wow, that's cool." You know, I wish I could do that. So, I really looked up to him and as a young kid, watched him and mirrored him and tried to emulate what he did while also watching the behavior of, of people and, and how they responded. But my dad. Was there one specific thing that you've always remembered that your dad taught you? There's one thing that he said to me that I'll never forget. He said, my grades weren't great, okay? My grades in school weren't great. I wasn't the best student. And my dad and I were talking one time coming home from a soccer tournament or something. And we were talking about, well, what are you going to do when you grow up? You know, having one of those father-son types of conversations. And we both kind of put on the tail. It's like, yeah, your grades aren't great. He said, but Jason, you can talk to anyone about anything at any time. And I was like, yeah, dude, you're right. I can. I can find a way to connect with anyone if I want to. So I've just taken that, that love of connecting with humans and really brought that to the forefront of, of my professional and personal, personal life. Dude, when we talk about your professional life, I mean, 50 billion dollars worth of contracts like that's insane that's super impressive but i tell you what what i want to know and i suppose what anybody would want to know when they hear that number is what is the biggest negotiation mistake that jason fear now has made and what did it cost you not necessarily in terms of money but maybe time mm. and energy as well yeah for sure so i think the biggest mistake that i've made and other negotiators have made is saying too much too early or not having the presence and the omnipresence around 
the individuals that you're negotiating with. So you say too much, you step on your own toes, or you just try to be agreeable for the sake of being agreeable and not in conflict. So it's that space of being comfortable and confident in your own skin and being okay, not agreeing with somebody all of the time. But in the back of your mind, having a willingness to be open-minded and think about their perspective as well as your perspective, and then where you can meet in the middle. Mm, You said the word omnipresence. Can you break that down for the listeners? I think what it is and what I mean by that, it's being the center of attention, being the keystone of a conversation. So if you've got 10 people in a room and you're sitting around a big round table and you're sitting across from your you know, your key counterpart on the other side, that's two people, okay? But there's still eight people in the room that are putting off a certain energy and a certain vibe and a, have a certain perspective. So while you might be talking to the person in front of you, the energy around you of all of the other people matters, okay? And, and what they emit and how they emit it is really important. So you have to be omnipresent in the sense that you have to be able to manage and be aware and be tuned in to their vibration and their frequency to know that when I say this to this person across from me, this person might stutter. They might shuffle a little bit. They might put out an energy of, oh, I don't like that or, or lean in. Oh, that's okay. So it's having an awareness of your surroundings and being able to encapsulate that into how you interact with the individual across the table from you. I know you're massive on meditation, being very present when you really need to be. What is one thing that somebody could then do to ensure they are focusing on omnipresence during a negotiation before they enter that room? Yeah, I would say the power of now. So knowing that the only moment that actually matters is this present moment. The past is done. What's happened has happened. The future is just your brain's prediction of what could happen, but it's always wrong. It's never 100% right. So it's knowing that the only moment that matters is this moment right now. Okay. So this segues nicely then into, I know you've got these three powerhouse tips to give to the audience. And I think this segues nicely into the first one. So what would you say is that first golden nugget? that people really need to think about if you're an entrepreneur or B2B salesperson who's at the contract negotiation stage for a deal that could be life-changing for themselves, the business they work for, or the business that they own? Yeah. Okay. So the, the key idea that I really wanted to share with people is that at every moment, your subconscious is sending signals out that through your body language that are being read by those across from you or those that you're in the negotiation room with. So if you're negotiating a contract for yourself and you're not confident in your proposal or you're not confident that you can deliver what you can deliver, your body language says that a thousand times over. And people will read that and they will sense that and they will know that there's an opportunity for them to challenge you and to push back on you. So just the awareness that how you present yourself and how your body language comes across to the other side is really, really important. And maybe I'll I'll summarize it or encapsulate it, and then we can go into some of the the different concepts. But holistically, the way that uh, one author puts it is that your words, your words tell people what to do. Okay. So I say, pick this up, put this down, jump how high. 
but it's really your body language that tells people how to feel. And we know that people make decisions based on how they feel. So if you can come across to somebody, these are my words, this is what I want. And my body language is telling you that I'm powerful, that I'm strong, that I'm confident, that I know I can deliver this. People feel that. They take on that energy and as a result, puts you in a power position. Okay, there's, there's so much good stuff there. I'm like, okay, what do, what do we dig into first? Okay, let's, let's start with the first thing that you said at the beginning. You spoke about confidence. How does one cultivate confidence if they're lacking it in that specific moment? You and I have talked about this before, but I have a definition of confidence that, that I really like because at the essence, it's all about self. So self-confidence, being yourself, having self-control. It's one, having a positive view of yourself. So when you wake up in the morning, do you know, am I a jerk? Am I not a jerk? So knowing that you have a positive view of yourself is really important. And then it's trusting yourself. So if you say, I'm going to go for a run today, you tell yourself in the morning, if you know you're going to deliver and actually do that, then you trust your you trust your word. So it's having a trust in your word. And then the third, which is the most challenging for most of us, which is knowing that you can handle yourself in any situation. And what I mean by that is emotionally. So you know, and you teach people this all the time, Rob, but people are scared shitless to go on stage. They think they're going to die. Okay. But if you know before you go on stage that the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to mm-hmm. be uncomfortable, you know, your family's not going to get hurt. You're not going to hurt, get hurt. You're not in any danger. That gives you a high degree of self confidence. So I think first and foremost, it's having that awareness of what self confidence actually is and believing it. In terms of being confident in that moment, what I think and, and what really works great for me is, as you said, it, we all have so many thoughts going through our mind at any one time. There's just a ton of noise. So if you've got a bunch of noise in that moment and you're lacking confidence, the best thing that you can do is get out of your head and get into your body. And what I mean by that is you can check in with yourself. Like, how am I feeling right now? Am I flushed? Is my heart rate going up? Do I have a pain in my chest or my neck? Am I uncomfortable? And just put your focus on how your body feels because your mind can only ever really focus on one thing at a time. So if you take the focus away from all the noise and you put it into your physical space and into your body and how you feel and just be present with that, it will substantially increase the way that you show up confidently or not. I'm going to add one more thing to that because I think this is another nugget that I really like. And then you can interrupt me because I know you like to do that because you're an asshole. But <laughs> if you if you think... Of- <laughs> You know me so well. Why do you know me so well? <laughs> no, go on, go on. I don't I'm know why you tell me all your pretty little secrets, but you did. <laughs> I'm going to keep, keep uh, yeah, this is a, you now. Okay. There's a quick, a quick and easy thing to remember that I like to share with people. And it's that when you feel fear, you're afraid. It's the exact same physiological response as being excited about something, but with yeah. less oxygen. So fear is just excitement with less oxygen. So when you're scared, if you can give your body a little bit more oxygen, you can turn that fear into excitement. So that's another thing that you can think about in that moment. 
Dropping bombs. I like it. I like it. You know what's funny? When you first told me your definition of confidence, I think it was back in September last year, right? About September last year. I was blown away by the level of depth, but also the third question around, do you trust yourself Mm. enough to be able to handle any situation Mm. that comes your way? And that's actually a very, very difficult question to answer because there's so much that happens to us in life. And sometimes we give away our power to. And that question there, I had to really look myself hard in the mirror and go, hold on, do I trust myself here to handle anything that comes my way? And I love the depth of it because I think a lot of the time when we think about confidence, especially when we're younger, we think, oh yeah, it's the loudest person in the room. When (laughs) you and I both know, actually, that's that's far from the truth. It's far from the truth, man. But on that first nugget you gave as well, something you touched upon was body language and ensuring that what you say Mm -hmm. really mirrors your body. So what is one body language tip to ensure that you come across confident, strong, and comfortable in your own skin, even if you might not feel so? Yeah, sure. I think there's a couple of things that I think of right away. The first thing is eye contact. Absolutely maintaining eye contact shows your ability to connect with somebody and be comfortable and confident in their in their energy in their zone so eye contact is key the other is your shoulders and this is a big one a lot of people walk around kind of hunched like this with their shoulders up instead of opening up and having a broad wide chest that broad wide chest displays a real sense of confidence in in who you are and and your body and and what you have to offer so if you can lower your shoulders pull pull them in and back and and have a big proud chest that really helps and that's female or male it doesn't matter it's not about going to the gym and having a great one one rep max on the bench press it's not that it's just being open with who you are and not being closed and and introverted so being open and willing to expose yourself from a body language standpoint demonstrates a lot of confidence The other thing is you really want to demonstrate power, but you also want to demonstrate warmth. And to do that by having a strong and confident uh, posture, which matters a ton in body language, that demonstrates power. But to show warmth, one thing that, that I love is the idea that if you smile at somebody, it shows warmth. Automatically, you smile at somebody, people know if you're full of shit or not, or if it's a real smile. But the idea that you can even think about smiling, you don't actually have to do it. You just think about it and it's enough to think about it that will demonstrate that warmth. So it's really eye contact, the right posture, opening your chest and and showing up with warmth. And you can do that through smiling or even thinking about smiling. I mean, that's amazing because you've got tiny shoulders and a tiny chest. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting uh, to deliver that. I was like, I need to deliver that beautifully. <laughs> I was like, I was looking at you. I was like, why does he have such a fucking shit eating grin on his face right now? But I should have known. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> oh, that's so upsetting for you, for somebody who's such a such an athlete. But dude, it's fine. You know, if you've got tiny shoulders and T-Rex arms, it's no big deal. Okay. Anyway, I digress. So look at you now posing. So, okay, that that's super interesting. So for somebody who considers themselves introverted, 
Well, you mentioned there you don't want to come across that way. Really opening the shoulders can allow you to come across more open. And that smile, man, what you said about smiling, it's so true. Especially when, for example, people are on the phone, you can really hear somebody smiling, right? Versus, hey, how you doing? My name's Jason. You're like, Absolutely. you don't even want to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. And even though they can't see your smile and your tone and your aura projects that you're warm and that you have that smile and it, I'll tell you what, man, it goes so far because people just don't smile at each other enough. There's not enough warmth. People are so busy with their crap that when somebody actually looks you in the eye and smiles at you, you're like, whoa, what the hell? Like I have this person's undivided attention and that in and of itself is incredibly powerful. It's so subtle. And I think sometimes we're looking for these big blockbuster tips when (laughs) just smile, man, just smile, dude, you know? Yeah. Just smile. It's crazy. It is crazy, man. So I love that. I love that. So really to summarize the first golden nugget, it's all about being able to really look within, be comfortable in your own skin, ultimately show up powerful yet warm and open and ready to really have a positive conversation, right? Absolutely. I'll say one more thing on this particular topic is that first impressions are everything. First impressions are everything. So when you meet somebody, the things that you can do in addition to the body language and the eye contact is compliment somebody. Find something about them that you like, like, oh, I saw you on this podcast. It was great. Or I read an article you posted. It was great. Or I really like what you're doing in the industry. I think it's innovative and it's cool. That demonstrates a tremendous amount of confidence as well by being willing to compliment somebody else and to make it about them and not about you. Also, asking open-ended questions. That's a really powerful way to make a great first impression. And then stick to things that are positive. It's not like you're going to get on a first impression with somebody and be like, hey, what do you think about Putin in the Ukraine? Like, what's your position on that? People are going to be like, who, the, who is this person? And why the hell would I want to talk to them about that? Or politics, religion, or anything. So it's starting with something positive, but then also leaving on, on something that's positive and, and something that's possible. Don't just say, oh, I like your shirt, even though you hate it. If you like somebody's shoes because you think their, shoe, their shoes are dope, tell them, look, dude, those shoes are dope. Or, you know, whatever the case may be, it doesn't have to be anything big. It can be, I really like your necklace or that shirt looks great. Or, you know, where'd you get that bag? Or, oh, I like your pen. I mean, these are the kinds of things that you see when you're in a negotiation with somebody or for you, like I, I like your hat, but I think your Nike pants are ridiculous. You know, so those kind of things. Oh, are you joking? You know, Sophie was like, you look really short in those. You look really short. I was like, are you kidding me? I look like I look like an NBA player. Are you kidding me? That's why I bought them. Do you not like them? That's hurtful. That, you're actually, and also, but ladies and gents, let's not be creepy. Like, you can't go up to somebody and be like, hey, I like your necklace. Like that. Or like, hey, I like your pen. Fancy signing my contract with it. Like, it's just creepy. Don't do that. Right? <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. That's, that's Don't just do that. weird. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. Do- you got to my shorts before I got to mention that awful T-shirt of yours that matches your wall color. But anyway, you got to me before. Okay, that's cool, man. So then you've got a second unorthodox strategy for those who are negotiating. Tell us, man, tell us what it is. It's called frame control. And it's the concept from Pitch Anything by Oren Claff. 
And this actually is a great lead into what you just what you just asked about in terms of standing in front of a CEO or some authority pick, uh, figure and how to navigate your way around that without succumbing to pressure or cratering. And it's the concept that when two people meet, each individual has a, a frame. I call it like a persona or an ambiance or whatever you want to call it. When two people meet, you've got a frame here that's this strong and you've got a frame here that's this strong. So they clash. Okay, they, they clash. And one of the frames will take power because it's a stronger, more powerful frame. And when you have the stronger, more powerful frame, you have control of the topics, you have control of the room, you have control of the concepts and the ideas. So you really get to dictate the energy throughout the room. And great example of this is a police officer or a cop. You know, when you're driving in your car and you're going 75 and a 65 or 80 and a 65, you know, whatever, the cop pulls you over. What do you do? You sit there with your hands on your steering wheel. You're like, yes, yes, officer. I'm so sorry, officer. Please don't, you know, beat me. You're not saying like, nah, man, I wasn't doing 80. That's bullshit. Like, come on, bro. Leave me alone. That doesn't happen. Your frames clashed and the cop's frame is a power frame of authority. And that authority frame is always going to trump your lower level frame. So as a result of that, the cop dictates the interaction and how things go. And whether you get a ticket or not has everything to do with what they think, not what you think. So then if you're a salesperson in the thick of the deal, but you feel like you have a frame which is less than the decision maker, what do you do? Small acts of defiance and denial. So if somebody has this power frame and they're arrogant and stuff like that, and they think that their shit doesn't stink, the first thing you do, don't laugh at their dumb jokes, okay? Because they always have dumb jokes and everybody will laugh because they want them to agree with it. Don't laugh at their stupid jokes. Their jokes are stupid. Don't give them that, that ability to take on their arrogance because everybody laughs at their dumb jokes. Don't do it. It's that simple. When they, so they, when they say a, a, a stupid joke and they look at you and expect you to laugh, just look at them. Like, that's not funny. Say something funny and I'll laugh, but that wasn't funny. So it's that defiance or that denial. So the, the not laughing at bad jokes is a way that, that really can help. It's also like another one would be if they have a piece of paper in their hand and they're saying, well, I'm going to sign this or I'm not going to sign this. Just grab the fucking paper out of their hand. Be like, well, what, wait a minute. I'm not sure I want to sign that with you. Like, hang on. You don't slow down. Okay. You know, so it's that, that defiance or that denial done in a strategic way that will, will push your frame at a, at a higher level than theirs. And it will bust that, that power or that authority frame. Note to self, stop laughing at Jason's dumb jokes. okay for some people i can imagine they're like well what if i blow the deal by not laughing at their awful joke or actually if i grab the paper out of their hand then maybe that's construed as rude and i completely blow up the deal do you think that sometimes there is an opportunity for blowing a deal if you tip the scales too far of course Yeah, there's always that risk. And it's something that we can all do. But my recommendation for people would be to try it in a low stakes environment first. Get a sense for what it feels like to be defiant and have some denial rather than walking into the huge deal and doing something that may be construed as incredibly rude. The trick is to do something that's 
a little silly. Like the things that I would say is things like, oh, look, you got like a surfer bro haircut. You know, what's up with that, man? And kind of just poking at them a little bit or, hey, man, you're really sweating. Do you think you should loosen your tie? I watched many years ago, probably about 50 times over the show Suits on Netflix, like every season. And oh, you yeah. see some of this. Yeah, right. You see some of the stuff that Harvey Specter does and you're like, man, that's so cool. And if you tried something like that in the real world, it would be considered rude or arrogant. But what's interesting is for the right person in the right context, it could work. So I think it's all about really figuring out what works for you. But from what you're saying, it's don't be afraid to be bold in low stake scenarios so you know how to be brave in high stake scenarios. Totally. Those two examples I gave you about the surfer boy haircut and the tie, those are both real examples that I used in negotiating a two and a half billion dollar deal. What happened? Story. Tell me tell me how it went down. What happened? Oh, we ate them for lunch, dude. We absolutely ate them for lunch. It was amazing. <laughs> Okay, walk me through when you said, dude, what's with that haircut? Like that surfer boy look, what was his response? Oh, he's totally taken aback. It's like, what? 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 I thought we were negotiating a contract here. Like, why are we talking about my hair? And then they see that that I'm playful with it and I'm not taking myself too seriously. Like, I get that we've got a lot of money on the table, but you know, let's not be crazy with it. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. So that's interesting there, it, because it it's not just people about- off guard. Yeah, because it's not just about what you said there, it's the way you said it. So you just said it with a smile on your face, with a playful tone. But there's a difference between, hey, right. your haircut, what the hell's with that? Versus, oh, dude, what's up What's up with that hairdo, man, huh? Are you living in Laguna Beach now? Like, <laughs> really? that is so different, right? Uh-huh. It catches people off guard. And it's not offensive. I mean, you've got, there's a fine line, I will say, and you've got to know yourself and what you're comfortable with and knowing your audience. All of that stuff is important. Well, I think it's great to practice in low stakes scenarios. But the point is, you can say things like that in high stakes scenarios and get away with it. And it's not only get away with it, but what it does is it reframes the whole energy so that I'm the guy in control. I have the power. I have the power to just play with you and joke with you and not take myself too seriously, despite the fact that, you know, in this case, these are lawyers from the chief counsels of, of two major contractors in, the, in my industry. So they were big wigs. It's not that they were junior, junior people at all. And, and they're, look, man, they're not used to people talking to them like that. They're just not. And when you have that defiance, it's like, well, wait a minute, who is this guy and where did he come from? And man, I'm, I might actually need to listen to him. See, it's funny because I think a lot of people listening to this right now might be thinking, oh, no, but I work with very textbook, rigid, numbers-driven decision makers. It wouldn't work. But actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jason just said he did this when negotiating a $2.5 billion deal, and he works in the mining industry. High stakes, right? With individuals who you would probably put under that bracket that I just mentioned. So, ladies and gents, there's something to really take on board here about being bold and brave. So, number three, what's the golden nugget? What's golden nugget number three? So, the next nugget is a quick one to explain, but it's really powerful nonetheless. And it really comes down to your proposal and presenting your number. So, the idea is to let me set the stage for you. So you're sitting across the table from somebody and this is a real life example for me. If somebody wants to work with me for coaching, it's a $30,000 a year investment. Okay. Most people are like, 
geez, you know, 30 grand, that's a lot. All, all we're going to do is talk. You know, why am I paying you to talk? But the idea is that I've said that number out loud so many times, it's easy for me to say. So the first thing is when you're presenting your proposal, when you're presenting your number, when you're saying it costs this much to work with me, the first thing that I want people to do is to practice saying their number out loud. It's not enough to say it in your head. You have to say it out loud, whether that's in the shower or the car or on a walk or whatever. Try it on for size. See how it feels. What is the body language that you exude and that you emanate when you say that? Get really comfortable saying it so that it's the same thing as telling somebody your phone number. So that's the first part of it. So I'll, I'll pause there if you want to interject anything. No, I love that, man, because the truth is, is the conviction that you have in what you're saying is just, I mean, you say a number for the first time, you say the hundredth time, where are you going to have more believability, right? So I'm 100% on board with that, man. Nothing else to add. Love it. Yeah, perfect. The most powerful thing and the thing that I think most of us probably have the most opportunity to gain here is the idea of saying your number and then shutting up, just shutting up. So many people will say, oh, it's 150 bucks an hour to work with me, but if it's too expensive, then maybe we can work something out. Or if you want a lower cost person, then I'll give you that. Or if we need to shrink our hours so that you have, you know, it fits within your budget that we can do that. No, no, cut that shit out. Stop it. It's 150 bucks an hour to work with me. And then let them respond. Let them respond because... If you've practiced saying it out loud, you've got confident body language that demonstrates that you're not kidding and you're not insecure about it, but you're confident about it. That pause, that pause can be the most powerful thing in the, in the world when it comes to actually getting somebody to agree to your number. So what I coach people on is practice saying your number, say it out loud, but then when you say it, shut up. And the best way to shut up that that I found for people is to actually take a five second inhale through your nose and then blow it out. In that period of time, you're going to have enough time for them to respond. So it gives them enough time to think about it and respond. They might say no, of course, but they might say yes as well. But I can assure you, you have a far better chance of that number landing and them saying yes if you don't quantify or qualify or try to substantiate your number before you've given them a chance to respond. Oh man, talking too much and talking yourself out of the sale. We've all been there and done that though, right? Let's be real. Like we've all been there and done that. How long did it take you to really be more intentional about saying your price and shutting up? Is it something you learned very early on or was there something which triggered it, a bad experience? Probably within the last couple of years, I really started to notice it because in coaching consultants and coaching individuals who are presenting their numbers, I'd say, well, what, you know, what is your service offering? And they're like, oh, well, it's two grand, but if somebody doesn't have the money, then I can, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. it's two grand. I'm like, okay, well, what's the value of it? And they're like, oh, well, it's going to, it's going to save them, you know, a million dollars. I'm like, you're charging somebody two grand to save them a million dollars. Why the fuck are you doing that? But I would see that their insecurity would make it easy for somebody to say, okay, it's two grand. Wow, that's fine. That's low. You know, why would I ever say it more? So in in teaching people how to raise their fees and raise their prices, I saw the behavior and then I saw it in myself too. So, you know, going in and and telling people the business I do in, in mining, the offers that I put out there are six figures. So it's 250 grand to work with me. 
that's a big number. It's a big number to me. And, and it's a big number for other people as well. So learning how to shut up for me has benefited me as well. So it's something that is a learned skill that I've really honed and practiced over the course of the last couple of years. Man, what's so dope about you is that and this is a rare compliment, so you can record this, Jason. Actually, this is... <laughs> uh, but, but what's seriously dope about you, man, is that because you're also negotiating the higher level in the mining industry, people can learn from that because you also work with coaches and consultants and service-based entrepreneurs, you know, helping them with their negotiation Absolutely. skills and mindset. So they get to learn from what you're doing in the corporate arena. And that is... I just think that's super dope because you always you don't have people who can who's done both, who are doing both. And you do that beautifully, my friend. So kudos to you. So ladies and gents, what you just heard Appreciate from that. Jason there, no worries, man. Jason there, what you've heard from him is ultimately his three very unorthodox ways of how to negotiate <laughs> like a dude who's negotiated $50 billion worth of transactions in his lifetime. My man, I've got a final question for you here. When it comes to influential communicators that you admire, is there anybody specific mm. that you really resonate and connect with? Rich Litvin. I think the master of their craft, at least in the coaching space, is, is Rich Litvin. The way that that guy commands an audience, commands a room, but has only one conversation with one person at a time is, is amazing to watch and, and somebody that I look up to. Man, if for anybody listening right now, this dude has coached elite athletes, presidents, CEOs. I mean, talk about elite. This dude defines elite. And mm -hmm. uh, Jason, you've spoken about him so much. And I love, love some of the things that I've learned about him from you. So ladies and gents, mm -hmm. Jason Fear. Now, Jason, if people want to learn more about you, man, what you're up to and how you can support them, how can they do that? You can hit me up on LinkedIn, Jason Fierno or jasonfierno.com. Ladies and gents. Love to Jason connect with Fierno. anybody. Don't connect with Jason, guys. He's a bit of a weirdo. He's a creep. He's going <laughs> to tell, tell you how nice your necklace looks and you're going to be like, nah, I don't know about this guy, man. <laughs> ladies, and <laughs> right? uh, ladies and gents, Jason Fierno. I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Oh, okay, okay, hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here, okay? Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review if you got some value from today's episode, okay? So if you want to impact people, remember, you need to learn how to influence them first.